0: Tonight we have a special setup in store. It's coming from the perspective of the women of Islam. A lot of times in religion, women are shunned or or pushed away or hidden. But here in the nation of Islam, we've always been taught to respect and protect our women. And to have them, of course, we in the forefront as their protectors, but have them in the forefront as whatever their talents and gifts can take them to do, we encourage them to push them to do that. We don't want to have, can you all hear me? okay thank you we don't want to have just someone restricted to their home the minister said the home is your base but your place is wherever your gifts and talent can take you so without further ado i don't want to hold up the program at all i want to bring up our first speaker um if she's ready i'm not sure okay look like she's ready it's a sister that i said this before i'll say it again when i first heard her speak it was immense power that came from her and i, I spoke right before her and when she came on after me I was like, man, I I, I gotta do it. I, I need a do-over. I need to go up there again because <laughs> I felt like she just took the stole the show. So hopefully she do the same thing today. Inshallah. And please welcome with a warm round of applause your sister Taliba Muhammad. In the
1: name of Allah, the beneficent, the most merciful. I bear witness there is no God but Allah, who came in the person of masterfied Muhammad. I further bear witness that the Honorable Elijah Muhammad is alive and well, our exalted Christ. Leaving us with our guide and our mercy, the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan, Jesus in our midst. In these holy and righteous names, I greet you. as alaikum. Ramadan Mubarak. So the first word I put was, wow. (laughs) All I could think of is, you you know, we plan and Allah plans and Allah is the best of planners. You know, growing up, not to say that, you know, you grow up and say, I want to be a Muslim one day because we're born Muslim, you know. But growing up, I didn't um, have a very big, broad look at the nation, you know, I knew the nation through the Malcolm X movie. Um, I wasn't very um, brought up in religion. I knew that God existed. Uh, I went to church with my grandmother and my, gra- and my uncle for like a year and a half while my dad transitioned from um, one state to another state because he was in the military and a single father. So that was the most I've gotten out of church, you know, is just knowing that there is a God. Um, they definitely preached obviously white Jesus Coming into the nation, though, I didn't have, I felt like I had a clean slate. As I was a little bit um, older, maybe around 17, 18, 19, you know, your friends, we always, we start talking about black Jesus, you know. So it wasn't really too much that we went against saying that God was just white. You know, in us, we knew without any proof that there has to be a black Jesus, right? So coming into the nation, there was nothing for me to combat when I heard that God was a man, and when I heard that his name was Massaphat Muhammad, there was no like, mm, let me think about this. There was no, you know, none of those things crossed my mind. So I'm just gonna take you into my um, where I, why I'm here now, how I got to this point. So I'm thankful to be here, I'm blessed to be a part of the, um, the coming in of this new world that uh, God is bringing in, um, cause he is definitely on the scene today. I'm thankful to Allah for seeing in me what I didn't see in myself way before I stepped foot into Muhammad al number 32. If you would have asked me a year ago if I saw myself being in the ministry class or just coming up here and speaking, I would have said no. I do not. I was perfectly fine sitting where I was sitting. I was perfectly fine coming to my class and doing what I had to do. But the problem with that for me was is that you only grow so much. At a certain point, it's time for you to move forward and you don't know that thinking that all i have to do is show up to class all i have to do is come and hear a lecture so a year ago i wasn't even actively in the mosque Um, i was um, actively in the struggle of the world i had been a registered member since um, the end of 2011 coming in for the first time january 2011 and over the years i learned about the knowledge of self i learned about the knowledge of god and that was pretty much it, I had this information, you know, I read the books, and it took me a while to read the books. Um, Naturally for me, just the basics of the teaching of the Honorable Elijah Muhammad caused a change. Not really understanding, just knowing that this was better for where I was at, and this is where, you know, I'm pursuing. Um, So, learning about the teaching of the Honorable Elijah Muhammad changed how I did things. It was better than where I was at, in my knowledge of self, because I had no knowledge of self. No value in who I was as a black woman, young black woman at that time with three children. I was a teenage mother, single, trying to figure it out. No one to turn to but myself, or so I thought. God was always with me and he was always there. Looking back at my life, I can see how God showed up. With the teachings of the Honorable Elijah Muhammad, I can presently see God now in my life. I don't have to look back and recall all the times that he was there and saved me from this or saved me from that. I can presently see how God is working minute by minute, hour by hour, day by day in my life now because I know who God is. The problem that I faced was not only growing in the knowledge of self. How it was the, it, not only growing in the knowledge of self, but it was how much the devil showed up in growing in the knowledge of self. The more I grew in self, honestly, so did the devil within. It wasn't until I was 100% dissatisfied with the struggle of self, I wanted to know what it felt like to overcome. What's next? When does this battle end? The Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan said in the lecture, The great fast of Ramadan for the strengthening of the will to face what we have to face in this time of the closing down of Satan's rule. We have to be a strong people to go through to win victory over our people, over our open enemy, within and without. How do we become strong? How do we grow in our discipline? The Honorable Mr. Lou said that there is something divine in us that needs to be extracted. How can it be extracted without struggle? I knew that Satan couldn't occupy space in my mind any longer. I wasn't growing anymore. It was easy to put on the headscarf and cover up. It was easy to come to the mosque and hear the st- Sunday lecture. It was easy, easy to read the material. The hard part was applying what I learned about myself. <laughs> Allah gives blessings to those who overcome. The Honorable yeah. Mrs. Lewis Farcon said, to overcome means to engage in struggle. To engage in struggle means to, to, to participate and become involved with. How do we engage in struggle? Well, we all struggle with something. We all desire to overcome. I struggled. My biggest struggle that I struggled with was drugs. Thank God to, I struggled with good, good drugs. Thank God, to me, it was for a short period of time. My mom struggled with drugs and it took over her whole life. And because of what I seen through her, I knew I didn't want to do what she did to me, to my children, and that always stuck, stuck you know, in my head. It was a short period of time, but by the time, but that time it consumed me, four and a half years. So it took me being 100% dissatisfied with the struggles of being on drugs. One day, I wasn't having the best day, I hadn't gotten high yet, and, the, and on that day, I was just over it. I knew that the life that I was living wasn't the life I was meant to live. I knew that wholeheartedly. I, I knew like the environment I was in, I was like, I know in the back of my mind, this is not how I grew up, this is not the life it was supposed to be, but I was in it. So I didn't know necessarily how that was gonna play out. I didn't grow up around drugs, and I didn't, you know, drugs weren't around me. Um, so I always had that in my mind. This isn't my life, my life's purpose. I knew it. I knew the life I didn't want was the life that, that I had seen from my mother to me. I didn't want to do that to my children. Yes, Yes, sir. Thank you. So I was over it in this particular day, and I walked over to the park and I prayed to God. I said, God, if this is not the life for me, please give me a sign. It wasn't just a prayer of help me now, today, you know. It wasn't a prayer, it was all I asked what was a sign. If this is not the life for me, please give me a sign. Then I went about my life for six months. You know, I was over it. I prayed and, you know, just did what I did. And I I think a part of that, I. Well, looking back now, I felt like I knew that God would answer that prayer because I never looked at it again. I just prayed and then I went about the rest of my struggle. Um, and so after six months, uh, the message of a black man was placed in my hand by my now husband of 12 years. It definitely didn't show up the way I thought either. I, I called him and still I called and I was I knew at this point six months I was like you know I can't you can't change in the same environment you have to change if I'm in a drug environment how do I change out of that even if I wanted to it was around me so I would you know seclude myself but still after a certain while it, it overtook me so I knew this is not the way I go about it I need to change my environment. So I I called and I asked for help and he showed up. And necessarily when I called, I wasn't expecting to see this brother in a a suit and bow tie. I was expecting to see this, you know, gangster, you know, young guy that I, I, you know, knew over the years. And so he showed up and I'm, you know, trying to do the regular, you know, let's go hang out and chill. And he was like, (laughs) nah. You know, and he gave me the book. and I was just like, okay. so that was the first time I ever got, and, and that was my sign. My sign was that message to the black man. Thank you. First, I had to be dissatisfied with my condition. I had to want to change. I had to make my mind up that I was done, and it took me six months to be completely done with, with within that period, so even though I was done in my mind, it took me six months to get completely off of drugs. And only way to do that was to be completely engaged in the struggle of not wanting to be on drugs, learning how to deal with if I was upset, you know, I I could just run and go do what I wanted to do. I had to find other ways to deal with being in that state of mind of being clean. And so I made a commitment to not let this demon confront me any longer. Now I had to learn new ways to deal with the struggle of staying off drugs and not resorting back to what I knew. I am a product of the teachings of the Honorable Elijah Muhammad. Thank you. Even though I've been in the nation since 2011, these last nine months, I knew that I had to make a different type of commitment, and I committed myself to closing the gap. Closing the gap and realizing that our mission is the same as the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan by raising up our dead and knocking out shaitan off this planet physically and mentally. We have to apply the teachings of the Honorable Elijah Muhammad to its fullest power. We have to continue to struggle. We will continue to struggle if we don't engage in what is keeping us from growing. Through consistency and in prayer in the study of the word of God, how can God use you if you are not engaged in the study of his word? The honorable minister Louis Farcon said the difference the honorable minister, the difference between us and the honorable minister Farcon is that he never left the classroom. So I am committed to be in every class to do everything I am supposed to do so that thank you. So that I can equip myself to the position that is waiting for me. To get into the ministry class, I didn't have an idea of me personally. Allah inspired it in me. And through the struggles throughout the year, I learned to listen to Allah more. And when I didn't listen to him, he was like, Well, go sit over there for a minute. You can struggle for a second. And tell me when you're done, I'll, and you come back. And I didn't know how long that was going to last because I jumped in and out, jumped in and out, and I just got tired of it. And so being tired of it, I was like, you know what, I want to see how it feels to overcome. I want to see what's on the other side. I want to know how it feels to never leave the classroom, to fully commit myself to doing what I need to do so that I can be a help to honorable Miss Lewis Farcon. Coming into the Nation of Islam, I just came into the nation for change, not realizing it was a whole war going on. <laughs> And the war of Armageddon is real, and it's happening. And so, to qualify, to make sure that you know we have a seat for ourselves in the hereafter, we have to apply the teachings of the honorable Elijah Muhammad. Yes, and with that being said, thank you. Asma
0: It's real quiet in here after that. I think she deserves another round of applause. <laughs> I told y'all she bring that, she bring the fire, man, I told y'all. Uh, for our next presenter, I don't wanna uh, belay for her to come up. The only comparison that I really have to this next presenter is probably like Lauren Hill or something like that. That's what I think of every time I think of this sister. <laughs> and coming from me, that's a high compliment. So I wanna bring up uh, Sister Ari and Nicole.
2: Holy Name of Allah, the Beneficent, the Merciful. I thank Allah for coming in the person of Master Father Muhammad to redeem those of us who were lost, to place us back on top of civilization. That's real. (laughs) So I thank Allah for coming. And furthermore, I thank him for teaching a Georgia-born black man for three and a half years, night and day. Furthermore, the man that I'm speaking of, he recognized Master Father Muhammad because he was born to a preacher. His father was a preacher. So he knew something about the scripture. And so he was able to identify the master in Detroit. So he's coming from Georgia, the south. Master Father Muhammad He came to liberate us and save us. And so him coming and teaching the most honorable Elijah Muhammad, a Georgia-born black man born in the midst of our struggle in that time. I wasn't in that time. My grandfather was a sharecropper, though. I was able to see a picture of my grandfather sharecropping. And see, Master Father Muhammad, he was born February 26th, 1877, that was the time of what is called the Great Betrayal. And if you go and research that and look it up, you'll find out that that was the Great Betrayal of our people in the South. We were coming into being able to vote, the 14th Amendment. 1877, Master Father Muhammad is born. 1868, rewind, that's the 14th Amendment, right? When it was established, everyone can have their, you know, rights to vote. We were a part of that. We thought we were coming up in the world. Abraham Lincoln emancipated us, right? right? And the 13th Amendment and the 14th Amendment started rolling out. It was a reconstruction period. Now, Elijah Muhammad, the Honorable Elijah Muhammad is coming up in that atmosphere. The master is coming with a specific mission. Down where Elijah Muhammad meets him, he recognizes him, and he undergoes being transformed by Master Father Muhammad. Night and day, three and a half years. But not only did he accept the teachings of Master Father Muhammad, he accepted an assignment. He took on a burden He took on a burden. What was the burden? It was a hard job. The hardest job given or ever given to man. He took it on out of love. So when you look at him and you're looking at how he recognized God, what type of heart is that? Hmm? To be able to look in the scripture and then you see a man speaking and you recognize him and saying, you're the one. Some of us may, may have been scared to do that. A lot of times in my mind, I may be able to see things and look at you like, ooh, I think I know something along those lines, or you reminded me of something. But he was compelled, he was convinced, he was able to sit with Master Friday Muhammad humbly as a student. And he took on his teaching so much so that he was able to teach you and I for 40 years. He did not. Complained He had a burden, but he didn't sit down. Now, fast forward and we have another man. Another man enters into the equation. And that man, he hears the Honorable Elijah Muhammad. He eventually comes on to take on some of his burden. That man is the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan, who we know now to be a star that is unequal. The Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan did not let the foundation of the Honorable Elijah Muhammad sit and die. The Honorable Elijah Muhammad laid a foundation for us. He raised us up. He taught us. He taught us how to pray. He taught us how to eat to live. He told us what to store in our homes. He was going around giving names. I wasn't in that time. This is what I'm learning of him through the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan, who would not let the foundation die. So he's still here. The Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan is still here. The Honorable Elijah Muhammad is still here through the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan. Master Father Muhammad is the true and living God God our savior. So it is in the name of those three holy and great men that I greet you all in the greeting words of peace of Ais Salaam. I'm gonna say this, pardon my uniform. I'm to be 100% transparent. I lost my uniforms over time a fortunate incident. We have trials in our life. I lost them. I had seven or eight. Okay, you know the Vanguard uniforms ain't cheap. <laughs> None of them are. So I'm building the backup. I was best to be able to reach my sister in LA who sent me something. I ordered like Friday or Saturday and something that came Tuesday. Okay? My blue is on the way. Praise <laughs> <laughs> be to Allah. So tonight we're talking about the women in Islam. My throat is dry because it's Ramadan. <laughs> So I'm going to try to calm down. <laughs> okay. So since we're talking about the women in Islam or the woman in Islam and the power of the Muslim woman, I would like to read something from Mother Tainet of Muhammad. Is that okay? Yes, we love Mother. She is a wife of the most honorable Elijah Muhammad. She said, the family structure is everything to the foundation of Islam. It is so critical that we understand things in the proper perspective in the family relationship. She goes on to say, this is in her lecture, Islam is Mathematics. She says, the father is the head of the household, and the mother works with the father in partnership to keep all the members of the family coordinating and functioning properly. Now, before I get too far ahead, I want to thank my brother, Student Minister uh, Haleen Muhammad. I want to thank him for this night, and want to thank him for having the vision and the capacity to call his sisters up and ask us to be an expression um, of Allah and of the teachings. Brother Halim comes from the East Coast. He comes from Buffalo. And so, I come from Flint, Michigan. I was born in Peoria, Illinois, so I know something about the Central and Midwestern you know, region. But I also know something about the East Coast, and... In 2017, May 24 2017, I was blessed to be among a group of artists who were able to sit and meet with the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan in Chicago. And the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan, he said something about the East Coast. He was saying how him and the ministers of Elijah Muhammad would go out on the East Coast. And he said that they would go out with a megaphone or a bullhorn or what have you. And they would call the people out with a song or music. And when the people wanted to know, what is that commotion? They came out. They started, they hit them with the teachers of the Honorable Elijah Muhammad. And he said at the table, they spoke to 30,000 of our people in one night. Him and the ministers of Elijah. Now, I was sitting there. It was a blessing. I was sitting there. And I'm holding my back up straight because we're with the minister, okay? (laughs) So you talking about hours of trying to sit up and be a student because the teacher is at the head (laughs) of the table. And so I must have been kind of, I don't know, out of it. And when he said 30,000, I looked. And he said (laughs) 30,000. And so the East Coast had a very special work. All of the regions are special, but I know the East Coast you know, we pounded the pavement. And so our brother, Haleem, he comes from that. That's what I'm trying to say. So I thank Allah for our brother, Halim Muhammad. Now in that <clears throat> May 24th um, lecture, because he came out and he started rolling, you know, I thought it was going to be like um, a conversation because I never experienced it um, before, when he came and sat at the table, he came in the name of Allah, the beneficent, the merciful. He started off, he said, you are not indirect descendants of God, you are direct descendants of God. I said, this is like sitting at Mas Marian. So he didn't lose any kind of composure in his assignment. That tells, you know, tells me that everywhere he goes, he's on the assignment, whether it's 20 or so people in the room, 100 or so people in the room, or the 2 million that came to DC that they miscalculated. So at the meeting, the honorable minister Louis Farrakhan said, you are being called out of this world to build a new world with God at its head. God at the head. Now, when I think of that, I say this means that man and God must become one. Man and God must become one. And then I think of Mother Tynetta Muhammad, how she said, you know, what our role is in the family structure. So when you have God at the head, or father at the head, man at the head, that makes me think of the role of the Honorable Elijah Muhammad With black women. He is the head of our class. We are in the class called Muslim Girls in Training, Muslim Girls in Training General Civilization class. Okay? He is the head. The Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan is now in that seat. We agree with that. He placed him in his seat to represent and sit. over the house in his absence. So we're still talking about the head. And we're talking about the Honorable Elijah Muhammad's position with the black woman. I have to talk about that because it disturbs me when I hear horrible things about the Honorable Elijah Muhammad and women. Because I come from the MGT and GCC class. And I know what it is, like my sister Taliba, We're coming up out of the streets into the class of God. I wouldn't have known of the second self of God. No one was teaching that. The Honorable Elijah Muhammad taught that. Who I was as a black woman. He's teaching us, man and woman, who we are. He met with God and he was taught by God for three and a half years. So when it comes to the Honorable Elijah Muhammad and the woman and the women of God and the MGT and GCC, the minister said, I was studying. I was listening to Final Call Radio. Give it up for Final Call Radio, okay? (laughs) If you're feeling down, turn on Final Call Radio. It will pick you up. There's nothing more comforting than the words of the comforter in this time. And so one of the things the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan said, he said that the proper use of knowledge, it can actually make women to act like girls. He said the proper use of knowledge. And so when we're able to come to Allah, the best knower, we're able to have our issues or our problems or our burdens, we can give them over, right? To the man in our life that knows it all, and he answers. Yeah. He answers his daughters. He answers his sons. Yeah. But I'm here, to I'm talking about MGT today. <laughs> he answers his daughters, and the beautiful thing about it, one of my sisters, uh, Sister Akila Nahonda from Houston, uh, Houston, Texas. She was talking about femininity. And she was talking about how, you know, when we're able to submit to Allah, how that makes us, you know, feminine, seeking refuge in Allah, you know, because we have a lot of discontention in these arguments, right, about um, or women saying, oh, I'm only going to be in my nature of feminine if you step up and be masculine in your nature, then okay, then I can be feminine. Then the man says, well, can I say that to you? If you're in your feminine nature, yes, that's yes, the argument, right? A lot of confusion, right? The enemy is in the middle of that, right? Because if the black man and the black woman is divided, right, we can't come together and be who we are taught that God is. God is man, and the woman is the second self of God, okay? You put two together and you have God. Okay? So the enemy wants to keep us divided. If we come together, then we have the power of God. And so that whole argument is going. But what we learn in the MGT class is submission, right? Submission cultivates it. Seek refuge in Allah. That cultivates our femininity. Now, when the minister said the proper use of knowledge, makes women to act like girls. He says that because of the relief of the burden, and he also said he doesn't mean any offense by that. Some of us get offended by being called a girl. But what he went on to say was that it causes us to become youthful. He said our voice becomes lighter, and we become youthful in our actions. That is femininity. There's nothing wrong with being youthful. There's nothing wrong with being able to walk in your nature. So call me a little girl because I want to depend on my father. (laughs) I'm stressed out here in this world outside of my father. If I was relying on social media and Facebook and MTV, if that's still around, BET, these cable channels, these movies on Netflix, I wouldn't know where to go. Be hopeless. At the end of every show nowadays, it's just hopeless. I was watching, uh, what was it? I was watching the show, uh, what is it? Handmaiden's Tale or something crazy like that. It came out a few years ago and I started watching, but every episode, this woman never wins. She never wins. It got to a point where I said, you know what? I'm not going to entertain this because I can't take on your burden, ma'am. <laughs> I got my own problems to deal with. I can't take on the burdens of these characters in these shows that just never win, okay? <laughs> and so, anyway, listening to the most honorable Elijah Muhammad in obeying, he gave us seven units. These things alleviate burdens. If you know how to sew, you want to be a woman of God, it alleviates a burden, right? Now I don't have to succumb to the department stores that want to dress me this way and that way. Like my sister Taliba said, the war is real. It's real. And it's taking us out, right? It's subliminal, but it's also in your face. It used to be more subliminal. Now it's outright. And if you didn't cut Satan off in the whisper, you get consumed by him in his dragon state. And at that point, It could, could very well be too late. But I was reading the Holy Quran today and I still see that he says he is a merciful God. He is a merciful God. Because in my agitated state, right, I was able to call on him. And I did what I just talked about. I said, Allah, I want for you to pour yourself into me. I don't have anything else outside of you right and you can come into the teachings but it doesn't mean that you're finished wrestling you're not finished wrestling when you get on the path of knowledge you still wrestle you can still be taken out because he's a masterful deceiver he says he was going to come in our straight path what is the straight path the straight path is the nation of islam we're just going to put it plain yes it's god but it's the nation of islam I recall the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan saying that he, he's not satisfied with people he already got. He wants those who say that, oh, I submit myself to God. Oh, really? That's a challenge for me. And I'm coming for you. So it's a whisper. More words from the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan. He said that we would be foolish to think that we have our own mind. He said when the whole of North America is set up to take your mind away from you, He said that there are not outright commands, but they have evil suggestions everywhere. You're riding down the street and you see evil suggestions, right? I was joking about it on social media, but I was saying I never thought I would see a day where I would see weed pizza on a billboard. Weed, W-E-E-D. Me and my children in a car. Weed. Do you want to buy some? That used to be the drug dealer on the corner hiding from the police. And they're still locked up. Satan uses whatever he wants at his will. Okay? When it didn't suit his purpose, he locked us up. So evidently, it's suiting his purpose. This is his world. He plays by his technology and deceit. These are his laws. We come into the mosque to come under God's law. The Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan said that God wants to return our mind to us. Right? And that is what we are able to do in the holy month of Ramadan. We're reading the holy Quran. Does it not come from Allah, God? So we've been reading his words In the beginning was the word and the word was God. And the word became flesh and it walked amongst men. What do you think you're doing when you're reading the holy Quran? Getting very excited because I wanna be, I wanna be on that meeting. My sister said it. She said it in a very real authentic way. I want to know what it's like on the other side of this thing. The running, the running away. I want to know what the valuable final product is. Who am I? I don't want to die before I know. And I don't want to die before I had a chance to submit fully and completely to my Lord. (laughs) Satan isn't worthy. He's not worthy. He's not worthy of the attention that we're giving him. Giving him a whole lot of attention. I'm telling you, when our eyes are not in the books, where are they? And I'm saying this because I know. I'm saying this because I felt my spirit weaken. I'm saying this because I said, Brother Halim again. He said, read in the name of the Lord. Ikra. So I was reading a lot of Netflix. I was reading a lot. Reading a lot of social media and Facebook and Instagram. All these uh, scholars and, and uh, suedo, teachers, pseudo, I think that's the word, telling you things, intermittent fasting. Yeah. Yeah. Honorable Elijah Muhammad already taught us how to eat to live. He already taught us. It's not an arrogant thing. You're supposed to be confident because when you seek refuge in Allah, we don't have the, the punk, punctified image or the watered down, you know, lukewarm, uh, crazy looking man with the blonde hair. I haven't been seeing too much of him lately. I don't know if they still are. They are still pushing it. I've seen it. <laughs> they still pushing it and people are still defending it. But the minister, February 26th, oh, he laid it down. He laid it down. I tell everybody I know, I said, you need to watch that. And I think he laid it down with such effortlessness. And it was so, he just talked to us that it could maybe go over your head. Maybe. If you're not understanding who he is, right? So you listen to him. And he said the war of Armageddon has begun. And he talked about the synagogue of Satan. When I say that it is not arrogant, it is just understanding that you have the invincible truth. It's invincible. When you look at the students of the Honorable Elijah Muhammad, you see Malcolm X. Anybody ever listen to one of his lectures or debates? Flawless. He was a student of the Honorable Elijah Muhammad. Minister Louis Farrakhan, a student of the Honorable Elijah Muhammad, but not just a student, the top student, the chief helper. He said, February 26, that we are going up against the synagogue of saints. His chief helper said, we. So what does that make us? Helpers. I want to be a helper. Because our people are suffering. And if we have an invincible truth, I want to get into the word to figure out how I can make the invincible truth palatable for people who are suffering. Because if I say I believe, I have it. And if it's cleaned me up as a woman, and if Honorable Elijah Muhammad gave me seven units, I want to say something. Mother Tainetta, again, she said, if you count the letters, Elijah Muhammad, you come up with 14. You tie that to, listen, right? Question and answer, 14. What is the meaning of MGT and GCC? 14. She also said, that this world is based on the number six, the Satan's world is going out. She said it's based on the number six down to the very weight of this world. Six sextillion tons, a unit followed by 21 ciphers. She went on to say that this new world is on the number seven. And when you have seven, you have the seven units. When you multiply the seven units by two, you have 14. That's Honorable Elijah Muhammad. That's Mother Tynetta. I love the number 14 now. (laughs) I really do. I really do. Um, Because he came and he gave us life. And our sisters are suffering. Right? She also said in the number 19, you have the nine, which is the womb. And the one is like the guard over that womb. That's 19. And so as women, if we know that we are the key to a new world, we cannot be satisfied with Satan. re replicating his world and duplicating his world through our women. So when I learn how to refine this thing, I'm going after the sisters. Because if I'm tired of this world, I want the new world to come in. So we're going to join in and we're going to help. We're going to help the Messiah. We're going to help the minister. And we're going to ride in on the number seven. And like my sister said, we're going to try to be in every class because he's making us into a new woman. I'm tired of this world, y'all. It's giving us death. Death. My husband said we're going back to crack cocaine. That was the 80s. Every time we turn around, the new generation is getting tricked and snared. Right back again. I was coming up in that era. Thought we were done with that. Like we thought we were done with slavery, but we don't get it together, we gonna be experiencing something. We don't get with Muhammad. The last thing I will say in the Holy Quran it says, oh, how I wish I had went with the messenger. I don't know who we think that's talking about, but I have an idea. <laughs> I have an idea. I just want to submit. That's all. I want to be a little girl. I'm proud to be an MGT and GCC. I thank Allah for coming in the person of Master, Father Muhammad. Thank you all. I leave you as I came to you in the greeting, rest of peace, and paradise of ice. lama alaykum.
0: Tried to warn y'all. Her and Brother Trinique is her husband. It's something about the spirit that they got. Man, you know, if I'm up here, <laughs> if I'm up here, I could say, and I, I, I walked to the store today. OK, that's just a part of the story. But the way that they do it, I walked to the store today. <laughs> like, man, they, they got the spirit that carried every word. You could just feel it cracking atoms up here. The whole six and the seven, like, man, that's wild. I got to tell my wife about that. <laughs> But um, without further ado, I want to bring up the next presenter. I am not too familiar with this sister, but from what I do know of her, she does not play around. This sister is serious. She handles her business. She's not afraid to speak her mind. I'd like to bring up the next presenter, Sister Naomi Muhammad.
3: In the holy name of Allah, the Beneficent, the Merciful, um, we thank Allah for coming to us in the person of Master Fatah Muhammad. Um, and it's interesting how, <laughs> when when you come up here, you, you sometimes you have things prepared and you think you got it all written out and all of the things, and then Allah saying, "Mm mm, not quite. Let me use you, right?" and for it to be a succinct in the sisters touching on everything that I wrote, and I accidentally left my paper at home. But they're touching the points that I pulled out, and Sister Arian literally touched the point that I was going to open up with when she talked about the seven units. So I want to personally, as a little girl, thank Allah for appearing to us in the person of Master Father Muhammad, and for him, God himself, giving us, the women, seven units. Sometimes we think that those seven units are just, oh, I got to take care of a man, I got to birth children, I got to sew, I got to cook, I got to clean, I got to, you know, how to act at home and abroad. But when you take those seven units and you dissect them with the eyes and the lenses of Allah and the teachings of the most honorable Elijah Muhammad, you truly see that it is setting up a new world and civilization. All praises due to Allah. We can never thank Allah enough for the honorable Elijah Muhammad, because that man, out of all the people who have lived in this world, he came to reform the black woman. We don't have anybody else who's done that. No one else. He is the true and living exalted Christ, meaning he's alive and well with our God, Master Father Muhammad. I further bear witness that Oh, did they love us. They loved us. <laughs> because they gave us the walking, talking, epitome of what love is. And that is none other than the Honorable Minister Louis Farcon, who is the head, is the head of the MGT and GCC class. He is our teacher right we don't we don't have teachers outside of that he is our teacher meaning that god is our teacher as women so i want to greet you all with the greeting words of peace of assalamu alaykum ramadan mubarak um i want to like i said i had something in mind and the sisters touched on what <laughs> literally just lined it right on up because allah is always on the straight path And it's whenever we veer away from what he has given us and try to do your own thing, that's when you go wrong. Um, And I want to share a, I'm going to try to make it real brief, but I want to share a story with you all. Because I like to, I believe that our our lives are testimony. And had not the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan shared pieces and parts of his life, most of us wouldn't be sitting in here today because you couldn't connect with what he was saying. And so I'm going to start out with with a story that really impacts us as women, but inshallah, the brothers can also see the important role, even though we're important, you are as important as well. So I'm a nation baby, and my father came in prior to 75, laborer. My mother was an MGT captain laborer. So I grew up with laboring parents, right? And and you know when you got laboring parents, that means that sometimes you privy to certain stuff, sometimes you're not the most liked when you're growing up in the minds of someone doesn't like your parents. Um, but I thank a lot for my parents because growing up with them, I didn't realize what was happening, but I understand everything that I've went through was molding me for this particular time right now. Um, <laughs> And so as having a mother who was an MGT captain, um, there were plenty of days in which I had to give up my personal bed for sisters to come in and to sleep. Some with black eyes, sometimes really, really, really beaten up, sometimes they're drunk because they're running away from what it is. And I'm, I'm not talking about, now there were sisters who weren't in the nation, but I'm talking about sisters who are in the nation. And as a child, this shaped me in such a way that probably by the age that I was 14, I say, there is no way on God's green earth that I'm going to marry an FOI. And, 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 and so don't get offended when I say what I'm about to say. But in my mind, I said they're trash because I've watched the women get abused. And how do we say that we believe in a lie? And this is how his women come to our home and I have to give up my bed. So I say, I would never, I'm better off marrying a, my exact words is a nigga in the streets, right? But a lot disabused me of that, I'm gonna get to that, but a lot had disabused me of that. <laughs> <laughs> so by the time I was 13, and going through a whole lot of traumatic things with people coming in and out of our home, um, my father not really knowing how to properly handle us as girls, because it was 13 of us, seven boys and six girls. And um, I can remember times when my dad used to say, well, why do you think I had you girls? And I say, for us to be slaves, you know, and and, and, and then here I go getting a whooping. I mean, I'm a, I'm being honest, right? Because I was honest. I You raised me up there, have no fear of no one but a lie. So when you ask, you will get the answer. You might not like the answer, but there's always consequences to what you say, right? <laughs> So by the time I was 13, my mother and my father were having a disagreement. And I never saw my dad hit my mother outside of this. But I heard some hits. And it's 13 of us. I was not even 4'11". I probably was maybe like this tall. And all my siblings are sitting in the room, and they're looking at me, and they're like, Naomi, please don't get up. Don't get up. Don't walk in the room. And I say, y'all not going to do nothing? Everybody's just sitting there. And I say, you know what? I'm going to get up. And I'm going to walk in that room, and I'm going to tell him something. Now, in my mind, I didn't know what I was going to say, but I just knew that I heard a hit. That's my mama. So now I've got to fight. And so when I walked in the doorway, my father had my mother by her throat up against the wall. And I said, you're not supposed to put your hand on a woman, is what I said. That's not how the Honorable Elijah Muhammad taught us. That's not how the minister taught us. And my mother I, I presume out of fear, she looked at me, and it was almost as if she was saying, get away from the door, right? So I had a moment where I could walk away from the door, but I refused. And I said, Allah's not pleased with you. And he I don't even remember what he said, but I remember him walking towards me. And from where I'm standing to that wall, there was like a little concave part in the hallway. And I just remember him walking up, and then the next thing you know, I, I was on the floor underneath uh this sculpture that we had in the hallway. And it was because my father had slapped me. And he slapped me so hard that I flew from here on the floor to the wall. And when I got up, the only thought I had in my mind is, I'm going to kill him. And that's it, because you're not going to put your hands on my mama. I'm not going to take abuse anymore. I'm going to kill you. And I think that my mother and my brothers knew at that point what was happening, because I mean, everybody starts scrambling. Me and my dad was literally fist fighting because when I got up, it, it hey, whoever swung the first lick, we are not the aggressor, but when you aggress upon us, then I have to retaliate, right? Retaliation is prescribed. So we're fighting in the hallway, and over time, I grew a disdain, a disrespect, a dislike, and to be quite honest, a hatred for men. Because the first person who was supposed to be a little girl's love and a representative of God outside of mother until we have a concept of ourself destroyed whatever was in me at that point. And it would, those years would go on. I, I went to high school and I became suicidal because I could not fathom and really deal with the idea. My daddy literally just knocked me across the room and had no regard like he did anything wrong. And so I was suicidal. And I didn't mention that to anybody. And Savior's Day was coming up, and I had actually planned when my mother and father were going to Savior's Day that I was gonna kill myself. I didn't tell anybody, I ain't nothing. Just I was just gonna do it, they would've just came home and that just would've been what it was because in my mind I said, if this is the world that Master Father Muhammad created for us to be in, I don't want to be here. I don't want to live like this. I don't want to continue to see women get abused. You know, I don't want to see women stepped on. This is, I just don't want to be a part of this world. But, you know, a lie has a way of, especially working through mother, where you may not voice something, but mother always knows, because she carried you in the womb. You all were tethered together and she wrote the blueprint with a lie to bring you here. And so I remember my mother and father discussing what they were going to do um, as far as who they were going to bring, because it's 13 of us. They would not bring all of us. They were going to bring two of us. So it was my youngest brother, and, sh- and he was naming somebody else. But I could kept hearing my mom say, no, I think we should bring Naomi. And in my mind, I was like, don't bring me. Like, I <laughs> ain't say that to her, but don't bring me. And for a week it went on, and then finally my dad was like, we're taking you to Savior's Day. It's like, okay, bet. Okay, crisis averted for now, but when I get back, I'm going to carry out what I said that I was going to do. So we get to Savior's Day, and, you know, you have all the different things going on and whatnot, and then my dad says, I'm going to take you out of Mas Mariam. Now, I'd never been to Mas Mariam. My dad was actually one of the builders um, at Mas Mariam when they were reestablishing it. And he wanted us to show his seat with his name on it, right? So we're walking in. We're doing all the things, you know, as believers. And there wasn't that many people. And then all of a sudden, they tell us to sit down in the audience, right? And so as everybody is scrambling to get an audience, the door is open. And who walks through the door? It's none other than the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan. And in that moment, I was like, okay, Allah, Like, what are you doing? Um, because... What if he picks up on my thoughts? Now, this was my mindset at 13. What if he picks up on my thoughts? Because reading the true history of of Jesus Christ that we grew up with, what did it tell us? That he could read minds. He could get in and out of cities and avert people getting to him because he was taught how to do that. So although I didn't know the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan as the Messiah and the Jesus in our midst at that time, it's almost as if there was a knowingness in me that I knew. I just didn't know the verbiage until later on in life and so as we were sitting down he spotted my father and he says brother nerdy now the reason why he said it like that is because when my father was working on the nationals uh the national center he there were only so many carpenters that was left towards the end and he told them that whoever was left he would give them a holy name and my father was one of the, the few who he gave a holy name, which is nur which means light, light of the faith. And so when he spotted my father, I say, okay, well, he just called dad. So that means I still get to sit now, you know, and he ain't gonna, he's not going to know. And <laughs> I kid you not, as soon as I had that thought, he said, bring the family. And I could have just crumbled. Now, when he came out, it wasn't just him. It was him. It was Mother Tynetta and it was Brother Jabril. And so again, I'm completely just like, I know this is not happening. And so everyone is standing and talking, carrying on, and then all of a sudden Brother Jabril say, let's take a picture. Now in my mind I say, I'm gonna get all the way to the end, furthest away from him. So he can't touch me, I can't be near him, he's not gonna know. It would be that he would say, he would do just like this. And bring me right on in, and I'm standing on side of him, and he put his arm around me, and in that moment, if you've, many people want to touch the hem of his garment, and you don't really know and understand until you're in his presence, and he touches you, that you truly understand what God is love means. Because it was in that moment when he put his arm around me, he looked down at me and I looked up and he said, everything's gonna be all right. It's gonna be okay, little girl. And it was like something went through my body. Just like this, like whatever thoughts I had in my mind were gone. They didn't exist no more. It was like a warmth came over me. And in that moment I said, wow, Allah, actually answered my prayer. So this man, <laughs> you know, when I was young, I was like, this, he must be a God, you know, <laughs> must be connected to the God to know that, right? So further in life, right, I've gone through so many different changes and, and things like that. And again, I've always battled with, if Allah came in the person of Master Father Muhammad, why is it that the woman suffers so much. Why do we carry such a burden? Is this the way that Allah designed it for it to happen to us? Does he not love us enough to give us some kind of reprieve, right? But what I've learned is, is that when you make man a god besides God, That is when you go through complete and total hell because you've set up a God besides him. All praises be to Allah. When I was growing up thinking that a woman was less, it wasn't until I read Minister Ava's book that I realized, wow, we are actually not less. And something that came to mind for me in particular is she says that When Allah wanted to create the woman, he didn't need us, but he wanted us. We are his first creation, first. Now, men would like us to believe that they were created first, right? But she was his first creation outside of himself. Before there was a sun, before there was a man, before there were planets, before there was the earth, before there was anything, there was her with him. So that lets you know right there how important we are as women to the God that he would create us first. And so she talks about how Allah studied himself in the in. And and creating the woman is not that we're less. It's that we are the answer to the first math problem. One plus one is two. And in the holy Quran, it says, I created you what? In pairs. Pairs mean two, right? You cannot have one without having the other. But this world would like to make us think that we are less than, that we came from a rib. No, we didn't come from a rib, absolutely not. <laughs> we didn't come from that. We came from the God himself, and we are the prototype of the first woman. So I remember the Honorable Ms. Louis Farrakhan saying some years ago that, the, that we are not a goddess. Is kind of, you might have a little bit of traits, right? No, we are female gods. And it blew my mind on the reaction from those of us who say we believe. Because it was like spraying holy water on, on demons. They was all coming out. No, you a goddess. The Honorable Elijah Muhammad I ain't never say that. I mean, I was like, whoa, whoa. I could not wrap my mind around how in this hour that is the mindset that we carry when the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan has told us time and time and time again, there is no new world without a new woman. None. Nada. So when you don't raise her up to where she's supposed to be, And when you do not free her, right, and you do not let her use her gifts and talents that Allah has put in her, if she can bore men and women who are doctors, lawyers, scientists, astronauts, why can't she do something greater than just be a homemaker or somebody who sows or somebody who cooks your food? You know, don't make her be beneath you. And so as a believing woman, it is so important that when we marry, We marry right. It is the difference between life and death for us. Because when you come underneath a man who does not come underneath God, who does not follow the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan, who does not believe what the Honorable Elijah Muhammad said about us as the black woman, you sentence yourself to death. All praises due to Allah. It's it's. I, I don't like this. Is not a beating up of the brothers, but my work is not. My work is with the women, because when Allah takes you, molds you, breaks you into pieces, pick you up again, mold you again, break you into pieces over and over and over and over again. It's to make you tough, tough, so that you can go out and get those people who have been in the same position as you throughout your life, not for us to put on a headpiece and a garment and say, oh, I'm prim and proper and I'm civilized and those are my savage sisters over there. No, those are your sisters. It is our duty and it is incumbent on us to save them because they don't know who they are. They don't even know that they have a God that loves them so much, so much, that anything you ask him for, he gives it to you. Can Bear witness on that one. As his little girl, there is never a time in my life, I gave you the first example of knowing that God was present in my life. There has never been a time in my life that I have not prayed to Allah and asked Him for something as His little girl, and He has not given it to me. And when you have a believing woman, it is an increase for you as a man. You are so blessed to have someone who has the seven units. Sewing is not just about putting pieces of fabric together. It's about sewing out and cutting out the pattern of your life after God. That's what sewing is for. How to act at home and abroad is to present yourself in here and outside of your home, letting people know that there is a God who came to civilize the dead, broke, I mean just beaten, burdened black man and woman. That's what how to act at home and abroad is. How to cook is not about me putting a plate of food in in front of you. It's about knowing the science of how to cook, when to cook, what to cook, how to fix ailments, how to raise up the tone of your family with what you cook, putting love in it, right? How to rear our children is not simply just birthing them and bringing them into the world. There is a whole system of how you should prep your body and your mind as man and woman before you even conceive a child then while she's carrying the child you create the environment so that she can flourish and draw on a blank blueprint right then when she births the child which i'm gonna say this and this is not to offend anyone right but i want to make it very clear we did not come under these teachings to continue to have our children in the hospitals of the devil where the first face that our child sees is a a white man and woman instead of their father and their mother. We have all the necessary tools to birth our children at home. We have the necessary tools if we would study Right? If we would have professionals help us, which we have a few doulas and we have a few practitioners and we have a few midwives in this mosque. We have absolutely no excuse because Allah has given us everything we need in order for us to build a nation. No excuse whatsoever. How to take care of our husbands. You know, it's it's funny. That course in particular, when we received it, you know, Just my own personal opinion, if you had a man that was following the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan and that loved these teachings and loved the God and loved the Christ, then then, hey, that increased your home. But if you was married to the opposite during that time of, 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 of how to take care of husband because Allah is your first husband. The right hand just possesses us, but we are lies woman. So when we were studying that course, I started to see, and I even went through a divorce at that time, because I had to realize, who is my God? Is it my husband, or is it Allah? And if Allah says do this, and the head of our class said do this, and you have a problem with this, then we must go our separate ways. So it was more than just a course. It's more than our seven units, and any time the guy came himself and gave the woman seven units, we would be wise to make sure that on Saturdays, she could come to her class. On Saturdays, she don't have to tote the boys to class with her and they sing with the MGT. And No sir, no sir, you need to be in junior FOI class. There needs to be something set up for them because it's not easy rearing children and it's not easy coming to our class and trying to be built and and made into gods when you have all that stress and strife on yourself. Make it easy for her because all praise is due to Allah. We could be the women of this world. At any given point, we could say, you know what, I'm done with this. And, and disrobe ourselves and go out there and act a fool. You know, in, in um, message to the black man, and I hear people say this very often, and I've heard this all my life. You know, we say, the last trigger of the white man and last trigger of the devil is going to be his woman. And we seem to think that that means the white woman. But some of us are Satan's woman. I'm going to say it. Some of us... Some, some of us have become Satan's woman when we get so far removed from God because we can't see him because of the circumstances that we have put ourselves under. And although we would like to put it on the brothers as, well, he's the abuser. Well, here's a news flash for us. Had there not been someone willing to be abused and didn't know who they were and did not make a lie sufficient, there would not be an abuser. They're, too, they're the opposite ends of a pole. Now, if women would completely grow herself into who Allah created her and wanted her to be, then no man would be able to come like they say we should be a brick wall as sisters. When you know something is not right, you need to speak up. We should love ourselves enough that when we know we went through complete and total mayhem with someone and they abused us and everything, you don't sit on your hands and say, well, that sister's going to find out on her own, because she is your sister. You sound the alarm and shut the door. That is our duty as women to be a covering for each other. Our headpiece is not just a, 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 a fabric piece of fabric we wear on our head. It's a covering. A covering shields something and it protects something and it protects your mind. And every time we put this on, we declare to the world and declare to Satan that we belong to Allah who came in the person of Master, Father Muhammad. <laughs> that is who we belong to. So we have as women... We got a lot of work to do, a lot of work to do. But here's a catch 22. 75% of the work is with the woman. But that don't mean the woman has to do all of the work by herself. Sometimes we take that one line and we twist it with our twisted thinking and our twisted hearts to find a way to subdue the woman. And that's not proper, and it is not right, and that is not what the Honorable Elijah Muhammad actually meant by that statement. Yes, we have work to do, but the other side of us having work to do is we can't do the work without having a man by our side. The Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan say, as a woman, you don't know, you, you can't become a woman until you have a man, and a man can't become a man until he has a woman. You have to do it together because that's that struggle, right? I'm going to read something out of A Torchlight for America. And it's so on point with all that is going on in the world. But it's something that I want us to really hold on to. And this, particular, this is page 102. And it says, toward eliminating rape and molestation. I just want you to hear his words. Two million women are reported to be beaten by their spouses every year. Three, three quarters of a million women are estimated to be raped each year. The, result, the resulting psychological damage is of enormous magnitude because you corrupt the nation when you corrupt a woman, which is why God set up strong laws to protect women and to protect the family. Rape is the murder of the essence of a female. I'm going to say that definition again. Rape is the murder of the essence of a female. It's no wonder that many women who have been victimized by rape or incest have difficulty in relating to men and their own families. Women are created to provide heaven, consolation, comfort, peace, and quiet of mind to their mate. What she provides, she is meant to give freely, but men must earn the right to have this gift. When a woman is raped, she may never again be able to give of her essence, Unless God intervenes to heal her. When the nature is killed, only God, who created our natures, can revive it again. I want us to hold on to that one statement, that God can revive us again. Because most of us, as men and as women, have went through things like that before we even had a chance to really take foot and step in this world. But that is Allah's way of saying, come to me, pray to me, and I will answer. So when we say, what is the power base of the woman? The power base of the woman, particularly the woman in the nation of Islam, is Allah, who came in the person of Master Father Muhammad. So I greet you with the (laughs) greeting words of peace of Aisar
0: I don't even know what to say after that. <laughs> you know, Brother Martin said something a couple of Sundays ago. He said, uh, "You can't have a testimony without being tested." So what the sister was talking about was tests that she went through, and she and her husband has a very powerful testimony on uh, the People's Podcast. If you get a chance to check that out, please do so. But without further ado, I want to bring up the scientist herself, Sister Aisha Muhammad.
4: Allah definitely is the best knower. In the name of Allah, the Beneficent, the Merciful, we forever thank Allah for appearing in the person of Master Farid Muhammad, the great Mahdi, the one who was to come and the one who has come, and the one whom we were not looking for. We thank him for raising one from among us, the most honorable and honored Elijah Muhammad. We thank the most honorable Elijah Muhammad for sitting one in his seat over the house. I speak of none other than the Messiah in our midst, the honorable Louis Farrakhan. I greet you in our nation's greetings of peace As As salamu alaykum. You know, I know that it is Allah's will because each sister spoke on something that I was going to touch. But the very first thing that I thought of is in this hour, if we didn't have a guide, a guide that is a fixed star we could easily be confused. You know, I don't know how many of you saw the news feed where the Dalai Lama, you know, and I, I know you're not supposed to get angry during Ramadan, but I was enraged. He would not have a tongue if it were my child. So you cannot allow your child to be in the company of anyone. I don't care if he says he's the 13th reincarnation of the Buddha, but Buddha would have had to save him that day. If we don't have divine guidance in this world, we would be promoting things that we should condemn, and we would be condemning things that we should promote. You know, I was looking at a protest on the news, and women are promoting the use of a drug, an abortion drug, that will actually abort your baby that is less than 10 weeks in the making. And you have our women because they don't have the knowledge of themselves and they're misled by the false language of the devil because he throws in freedom of women with murder. And I heard a sister who's a newscaster on NBC say that to remove the right to use this abortion pill is like slavery. Well, you know, we've got a lot of work to do, as the sister said. Because the language of the devil, he comes in Allah's straight path. He comes in the very nature of the black woman. You know, I was looking at some statistics, and I'm gonna be very brief, because I have very little time. But one of the statistics says that hypertension is more prevalent among African American women than any other group. 46% of African American women 20 years and older have hypertension. 29% within the Hispanic community. And black women make up 53% of the black labor force and we're only 13% of the population. So you can see that hypertension is because of the extreme stress of being a black woman in America. If you look at Student Minister Ava Muhammad, whom I love dearly. In her book, Naturally Beautiful, she says, understand that our primary goal as women is to be beautiful. Yes, you read it right. That primary goal in life is to be beautiful. Now you see why you're almost obsessed with your appearance while men seem to care nothing about theirs. By that I mean men do not wonder, am I attractive enough? Did your husband ever ask you, does this suit make me look fat? (laughs) The desire to be beautiful is innate. It was programmed into our DNA by the first God who created himself in and from the triple darkness of space. Addressing the second, she says that there are two requirements made by Master Fard Muhammad himself when he said the MGT and GCC, I can sit on top of the world and tell everyone that the most beautiful nation is in the wilderness of North America. But there's a warning. But do not let me catch you other than yourself in regards to living the life and weighing properly. Master Fard Muhammad Allah God in person declares that he and he alone can sit the black woman on top of the world and tell everyone that the most beautiful nation is in the wilderness of North America. Clearly, his desire and intention is to direct the world's focus and attention on the black woman. And Sister said something that I wanted to make a point from the Honorable Louis Farrakhan's illuminating lecture, Save Our Girls a nation can rise no higher than its woman, he made the distinction that Allah does not need us, he desired us. So when you think of what is it about you that will make you desirable to the God himself. (laughs) Sister Ava goes on to say the female who was once sold as a slave on the auction block in North America is now the most beautiful woman in the world. A nation can be the most beautiful in the world only because its woman is the most beautiful woman in the world. But she goes on to say addressing the second requirement and that is to maintain our proper weight. She says, I am writing as a female struggling with excess weight, so I am not talking down to you. Here it is. The bill of goods that the enemy has sold us about big and beautiful is not in harmony with the will and the desire of the creator. Do not fall prey to the bizarre view that there is anything attractive about rolls of fat. Why is weighing properly so critical to the beauty of the black woman that Master Fahd Muhammad gives it prominence in the Supreme Wisdom book? And you know, I, I struggle with this one problem because when I'm overweight, then I'll say that, oh, it's a spiritual. Problem, But when I'm struggling and really trying to get down, then I have to realize and admit that it is a physical reality as well. And if we have any doubt, let us consult Mother Clara Muhammad, who was warned by Master Farid Muhammad. And she took that warning so seriously that if she got two pounds overweight, She fasted until she got back down to her regular weight. Sister Ava says, in the universe, Allah created everything in symmetrical. In order to be beautiful, a person, place, or thing must be pleasing to the senses, especially the sense of sight. The human eye seeks symmetry because Allah created it that way. He wants us to admire and even revere his artistry. I remember the most honorable Elijah Muhammad said that he would have you so beautiful that your shadow would leave them spellbound. In an exact mathematical pattern that is demonstrated in formal systems such as geometry and physics, it is also a sense that we have of harmony and balance. Brothers and sisters, I am not gonna keep you over time, but I just want to say I thank Allah for Brother Student Minister Halim Mohammed. for giving us an opportunity to express Islam from the feminine view. And maybe there'll be time at another time to go into what I had prepared. But I do have something that the Honorable Louis Farrakhan was so pleased with that the sisters put together as an introduction to his subject, save our girls, and it is a commercial that he said if he had had a vest, he would have burst all his buttons on his vest. So I'm going to ask Brother Stanley if he will cue up the short commercial, and I leave you as I came before you. Assalam alaikum.
0: Well, family, we, we passed time. Um, I just want to say something real quick. I think it was a beautiful experience. I'm gonna I'm tell Brother Halim personally, I think we should run it back again yeah. at our earliest convenience. Yes, yeah, <laughs> Brother Chameel, I feel like you. See. I was like you, I married a sister from this class that they was talking about. So, you know, I'm, I'm grateful to the minister.